part of a series called Be Sure Your Family is Saved. Interesting. Be sure your family is saved. And and how many know that God wants our whole families to be saved? In fact, you see stories in the the Bible where um, someone has an encounter with the Lord and their entire family comes to Jesus. And so, um, uh, so what can we do? What is our part that we can play in our families? What does God want us to do and what does He want us to say? We're going to talk about that. Acts 16.31 says, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you and your family will be saved. That's what the Bible says. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you and your family will be saved. For some people, you're still praying that second part of the Scripture will come to pass. Keep praying and keep believing that as you believe in the Lord Jesus, you and your family will be saved. I have some family members that I still need that to uh, come to pass in their lives. And uh, so I think it's a good thing to thank God that He's at work in our family. What can you say? Well, Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. And so this message that impacted our life, this message that's been entrusted to us in the words of God, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ doesn't just have the ability or the power uh, to convey that power of God to others. This message, it is the power of God that transforms life. It is the power of God that brings about salvation. It is this message brings the power of God that transitions a spirit that is destined to be without God, separated from God, and it has the power in that moment to translate or transition or uh, change someone from the inside out and change their eternal destiny. That's really good news. We're going to talk about that just a little bit. Because in the church, when we think about what we should say, when you, you know, hear about people about sharing your faith, when, you know, you, you think about those people that do that, those, um, you know, evangelists among us, we kind of think about those people that do that. And then you have those of us, and maybe you've heard this, um, uh, it's actually a, a phrase that has been given credit to Pope Francis of Assini, and he said this, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. You ever heard that? Preach the gospel, and if it's necessary, use words. And uh, for those of us that don't, you know, really feel comfortable sharing uh, God's word with people, we really like that because we're like, that's right. Yeah, yeah, you share your faith. I'm going to live mine out. And how many know it's good that we live out our faith? How many know it's actually good that if people look on our life or our marriage or our family that they see some Jesus in there, right? In fact, we even have scriptures that affirm that. I'll read one in 1 Peter. It says this regarding wives who may have a husband who's an unbeliever. It says, wives, be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, do not believe it, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. So there is a scriptural uh, precedence here for the idea of the way we live can influence and have an impact on people's life. But I want to take a moment to address is uh, that's more of the exception, not the rule. Over and over and over, we're going to see in the Scripture uh, that the Bible talks about the power of the words. These are obviously not just any words. 
These are the words of God. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The only words that proceed from the mouth of God that we know are the ones that are captured in the Bible. And so um, these words are different than any other words. These words have the ability to impact someone's mind and heart uh, over time. These words are the ones that build our faith. These are words that have the ability to transform our thinking. And so we have to take a moment and say, okay, well, these words are powerful. I need to receive them, and we're going to see we need to share them. And so hearing the truth from God's Word, it's powerful and it's impactful in our life. And by the way, that's why it's important, you know, uh, whenever you're exposed to the Word of God like a time like this, that you do everything you can to stay focused because how many know you can even come to church and have no idea afterwards what somebody said? And that is heartbreaking, especially if they're coming from me, from God, through me, to you. And so uh, stop thinking about lunch and what someone said to you this week, and let's uh, allow these powerful words to impact our lives. Now, in Ephesians chapter 2, it says this, for by grace you have been saved through faith, through faith. I want to point out, you've been saved by grace through faith, not by a prayer. It's not saying a prayer that got you saved, it is your faith in God. The prayer was mainly, uh, was just words that were a response from you. It didn't necessarily mean there was an expression of trust and faith. And so we're saved through faith in Jesus, right? Well, in Romans ten seventeen, listen to this. It says, so then faith comes, faith comes. Remember, we need faith to believe on the Lord Jesus. Where does that faith come from? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? Hearing Dr. Phil? Although I kind of like him sometimes. But no, it's not going to give you what you need for faith, for salvation, and other promises. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so the for what you need to believe God for salvation, what you need to believe God will heal you, what you need to believe that God will supernaturally provide for you, it come, that faith to believe those things comes from receiving these powerful words of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. And the context of this, by the way, is the preached Word of God. So I just want to salute you off be here listening to the preached Word of God. You get an A today for coming to church. Go ahead. You can just say, yeah, I, didn't, I am pretty awesome today. I made a good decision when I didn't feel like it today. Uh, in Luke chapter 8, verse 11, we see something called the parable of the sower. And Jesus tells a story about how a sower went out and, uh, to sow seed like a farmer. And uh, back then they would kind of, they call it broadcasting. They'd, they'd throw out this, this seed and scatter it um, around. And so after he tells a story, he comes and tells the meaning of it and says, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. What do they hear? The word of God. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away. What does he take away? 
the words that just built their faith, the devil comes with circumstances, with thoughts, and convinces us those words aren't true, but the doubt has more truth, and those words are stolen away, um, takes them out of their hearts that they should, uh, lest they should believe and be saved. So in that parable, there's four conditions of the heart we see in that story, but all four of them hear the Word. All four of them hear the Word taught. We have a lot of people in our world that haven't even heard the Word. They don't even have the ability to respond. They don't even have the ability to express a response of faith to God because they've never heard these words, these powerful words that we know are true. But it's these words that are in it are the power of God for salvation for those that believe. How can they believe if they've not heard these powerful words? So we get it? So we know we receive these words to build our faith, but how's anybody else going to believe? Are they going to believe just because they watch you? Like, you know, I've been checking that person out and my faith is just going up. I just looked at you and I'm giving my life to Jesus. Now, maybe when you fell in love one day, so you said, oh, I feel the love of God right now. <laughs> well, that's a different sermon series. Okay. Listen to this. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, it says, You have been born again, not from a seed that can be destroyed, but through God's everlasting word that can't be destroyed. God's truth will always live for eternity. The Bible said forever His Word is settled in heaven. In other words, God said, what I'm telling you, it's the truth. It's the way it has been. It's the way it will be forever, forever. It's nothing that's going to change with culture, right? It never gets to a point, well, we've kind of advanced in our thinking, and so what we believed the Bible before, well, things have changed, you know, you know. We can't be so, you know, crazy, you know, if some people want to, you know, live this way or that way, you know, that's fine as long as they love God and love others. No, no, no. God said, I gave it to you the way it is. Past, today, and the future, forever. And that's why these are the words that we can live by and stand on in our life. And so that's why Jesus actually commanded us to go into all the world and preach or share the gospel, this message that has the power of God to bring salvation to somebody, that message is tied to these words, God's words. It makes all the difference. Mark 16, 15, he said to them, go into all the world and live out the gospel. Go out into all the world and let people watch you so they can see. Well, Yes, but that's not what this says. Go into all the world and preach the message you're living. It's the words of God that transform. Your living may draw somebody. Your living may cause somebody to question what's going on in their life, but it's the words that you share that have the power to transform people's lives. In fact, God made a deliberate decision to save the world through preaching. It's a, really a method and a message that the, the world calls foolish. The world mocks it and, you know, uh, mocks preaching, belittles it, makes fun of it, but it's the way that God chose to do it. In 1 Corinthians 1, listen to this. 
For God in His wisdom saw to it that the world would never find God through human brilliance. And then He stepped in and saved those who believed His message, which, call, which the world calls foolish and silly. That's out of the Living Bible. So preaching is necessary. In other words, God said, people are going to believe because it's going to be preached. The foolishness perceived of the gospel is what's going to change people's lives. So preaching is necessary, and therefore, the preacher is necessary. And some people in church go, that's right, preacher, you do your thing. And the problem with that is, I'm just one of the preachers, meaning we're all preachers. And you might be thinking to yourself, I'm not a preacher. And I'm here to tell you, yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. You're like, but you don't know, you know what's going on in my life. You know, I, I can't be preached. Yes, you can. Right? If you've experienced the forgiveness and the truth, the power of salvation in your life, you got a message. You might be stuck and not living the life you're hoping for, but you're trying to go to the next level. You're a preacher because you have the power of God's Word in your life. And so right now, in the name of Jesus, I just commission you all as preachers in Kalamazoo. In other words, preachers, people who have a message and a testimony you can share of what God's done in your life. And that testimony is a result of words that you received, words that you are loved by God, words that you've been accepted, words that, that describe that you've been made the righteousness of God, not by your effort, but by Jesus' effort, what He did for you. You follow me? And so we all have a message to accompany our testimony of what God's done in our life. It is these, message, these words and this message that the world will call as foolishness. And how many know whenever Christians, you know, even interviewed on TV, it always seems like they find the dork, right? You know, the Christian kind of weirdo. Isn't that what you're like, come on, can't you guys do better and just like find somebody who can speak and represent us well? Well, part of me, I think, is just that they want to see... Um, our message and our faith mocked. So you're a preacher, and the gospel is good news. Agreed? And the gospel is good news, and it answers the bad news. It answers the bad news. Now, if you were seeing a doctor, and uh, after you had seen him, he called you back and told you that you were scheduled for surgery in three hours. You probably wouldn't think that that was good news. You would probably think, that's bad news. I've been scheduled to go under the knife today. But if you understood that your liver was failing and that you only had three days to live as a result of it, and that a healthy liver was just designated to you from a matching organ donor, and after the surgery, you'd be expected to live a full, normal, and healthy life. Now, how many know that's good news? So what seems like bad news is actually good news, right? And so here's the deal. Our world, the world that we live in, that you live in, is becoming increasingly unaware of the bad news. And in when you don't know and don't believe the bad news, the good news seems like bad news. The good news seems unfair. 
even evil. You'll hear people say, how can a loving God send people to a place like hell? In other words, they're saying that that our God is not a loving God and He's not fair if He would do something like that. We see God put on, on trial and our message put on trial and our, our message is seen as intolerant and unloving and judgmental, right? People misunderstand what we believe because the God of this world, Satan is waging a war against believers, against Christians, against you to make our very good news sound bad, to make it sound judgmental and unfair, but it's a deception and it's a lie. And so we have to be able to preach or share the bad news in the context of the good news. If you don't know the bad news, you can't appreciate how good the good news is. Does that make sense? I mean, kids get this. When kids are young and they have the revelation and the understanding that there's heaven and hell and we you know, don't want to go to hell, we want to go to heaven and they can pray and receive Jesus and know that they're going to heaven, but one day they realize they're not going to hell. Well, what about grandpa? And, or what about someone in the family? And, and they just see it. And, 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 and you know, you, sometimes kids will just have that conversation with a family member and just let them know, how come you don't believe in Jesus? I don't want you to go to hell. I mean, they get it. In fact, a friend of mine, our founding pastor, Jerry Dearman, tells a story about his daughter. Then when she had that moment of realizing uh, heaven and hell um, and uh, the bad news, they heard, out, uh, they heard uh, her screaming at the neighbor over the fence, you're going to go to hell! You're going to go to hell! And they went, what are you doing? And she said, I asked them if they knew Jesus, and they said no. And, uh, and so uh, I'm just telling them they're going to go to hell. <laughs> now, that is not the recommended way to love on your neighbors. <laughs> um, but here's the deal. You have to realize that people don't have the Bible literacy uh, and understand the stories that uh, some of us have grown up with. And uh, many of them I had to learn when I became a Christian. And so we're going to actually have to sometimes help people understand the story going back even to uh, Adam and Eve. We just can't assume that people know. And if they have heard of it, it doesn't mean that they've heard it accurately, right? Because when Adam sinned, that sin permeated through the whole world. In Romans 5.12, it says, When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. So in other words, he sinned, brought it into the world, and like a genetic disease that we understand that can pass from one family on down through the generations, sin has been passed down. And how many know, there's not many people that can you know, doubt the fact that sins has, sin has had a prominent <laughs> effect on our world, right? Turn on the news, get a newspaper. Well, sometimes spend time with your family. I didn't just say that. I didn't, I didn't just say that. I just meant that sometimes in family, things get weird, right? <laughs> in terms of like sin. <laughs> um, 
And so here's the deal. When we're talking to people, we don't want to point the finger and tell them, you know, people how bad they are. This is not saying you need to have a fire brimstone message with people and let them know that, you know, you're going to hell and uh, it's going to be hot and tortured forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Uh, your skin's never going to burn off, I don't think, but it's going to be, you know. Uh, what we want to do is make sure that people... Uh, know the bad news in the context of the good news. Romans 3.23, something I shared when I was learning to share my faith, for everyone has sinned. We all, we're in the same boat. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. How many lies does it take to become a liar? What? I mean, how many banks do you have to rob to become a bank robber? One, right? And uh, so, you know, we've all sinned in some way. Romans 3.10 says, as the Scriptures say, no one is righteous, no, not even one. And then the Bible gets really clear. The Bible addresses behaviors that will keep people out of God's kingdom. In 1 Corinthians 9, or 6, verse 9, it says, don't you realize those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Question mark. Don't fool yourselves. In other words, don't think that you're exempt. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes. I read this, by the way. I thought, what, do females get off the hook here? And I realized, no, it's probably covered in some other areas, but here. Um, (laughs) male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are, you know, thieves, you think you're doing good so far? You're like, I'm I'm good so far. Or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheat people. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. And then in Romans 6.23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. That's the bad news. In other words, because we just all acknowledged our sin, what we have coming, our wages. How many know when we get a job, we have jobs that we find out what we're going to earn, our wages. And when we put in our hours, we expect to be paid the wages we were promised. How many know, and if you don't get those wages, you're mad, unless it's a bonus. And you're like, (laughs) I'm digging my place here. Um, So if the Bible says we're going to have wages coming, how many know we're pretty sure uh, that's going to happen? Bad news. Good news? But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. The good news is we don't have to receive those wages. Jesus received them for us so that we can have eternal life. And so when we share our story, how many know it's important that we emphasize the good news? There is bad news, but we got to share and emphasize the good news. And, and I just want to point out to us that as we're living out and sharing these words, it's good uh, when we relate to people. How many know, uh, I don't think it's good that people don't want to be a project. You know, they want to be a project that we're working on. They want to be people that are loved just like you and I want to be loved. I don't know about you. I don't want to be somebody's project, right? We're going to help him, right? And uh, we're going to win him. Yeah, if we're going to win him to Jesus, we do it because Jesus loves him. And Paul talked about this, about relating to people, uh, and he kind of connected with people at whatever level they were on. And he said, to the Jews, I became a Jew that I might win the Jews, win them to Christ. To those that were under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who were under the law. Verse 22, it says, to the weak, I became weak. I identified. 
that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men that I might at all means save some. In other words, he's going bending over backwards to help connect and identify with people where they're at so that they might come to know Jesus. He's got a good message and so do you and so do I. Romans 2.4 says this, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that His kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? And so He's wooing us to Him with His love to pull us out of sinful patterns in a lifestyle. And so we see from all this that these words will produce faith in people's hearts. Might produce some anger from some people who don't agree with it. But anyway, we still got to let the truth come out. How many know people got mad at Jesus? I mean, they wanted to kill him. I don't know. That's bad. That's bad. That happens to preachers in other countries. Here, you know, we're kind of safe. But the preaching of God's Word causes faith in people's hearts. And so where should this begin I want to take a moment just to focus in on this message needs to begin in, in our own homes. This message needs to begin at home. Some 1,500 years before Jesus gave the Great Commission to the apostles and to us, God clearly um, and repeatedly instructed Israel or the children of Israel to teach their own children the Word of God. There's a responsibility as parents for us to say and bring these words into our own families. In Deuteronomy chapter 11, let me read this to you. Therefore, you shall lay up these words, these powerful words of mine, in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign to your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. In other words, these words are hanging out in front of you as a driving um, priority in your life. And it says in verse 19, you shall teach them to your children. You shall teach what? These words, these powerful words of God. You shall teach them to your children, speaking of them. Speaking of what? These powerful words, speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. How many know uh, that means we should be talking about it uh, a lot? It says in verse 20, you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. If you don't have a doorpost or a gate, find some other place. Uh, You know, some people put scriptures up. That's a good thing. Verse 21, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them. And so parents, and even those of us, well, I am a parent, but those that aren't, um, we want to speak life as a church into our children. We want to teach them these words. Why? Because we have competition. The TV, the social media, our Netflix, come on, public schools, the friends, they're all competing with this biblical truth and trying to sell lies to our kids to get them to believe that God's words aren't true. So knowing that we have this spirit of this world coming through all these other avenues, if there's one place they need to hear the truth, they've got to hear it beginning in our homes. And, and so I encourage parents, man, we need to even share our testimonies of how these words impacted our lives. We need to tell them repeatedly. I mean, because uh, I grew up in the area, when I'm driving around with my kids, I not only tell them stuff, I point out stuff. You, know, you want to know what I did there? Oh, when I was in that house. 
These things I did. You know, and I, I remember taking one of my kids on a tour and pointing out all my sin spots. Oh, I used to hang out there and you wouldn't believe what your dad did. And I wasn't celebrating my sin. I was t- trying to communicate where I was and how God changed my life with his words and how better my life came as a result of those things. Now, I know not everybody has, you know, a sordid past, um, but God transformed everybody, and there's a testimony that we need to share. In fact, many of us have a testimony that helps us to share our faith with others, and it's important that we, we share that. By the way, it's important that we share with our kids why we do what we do. Why do we attend church? Come on, your kids get older and they start not wanting to go. I don't even know why I have to go to church. Do I have to go to church? Yes, that's what Christians do. Christians go to church. Come on, don't do that to them. We need to explain the words of God. Why do we go to church? Because Jesus, the Bible says not to forsake the gathering together of believers. It's important to Jesus because He's the head of the church and we've made Him our Lord and He wants us to gather together. Well, I don't get anything out of it. That's where we teach people, our kids, why it's important to serve because we're the body of Christ. It's not about what we get. It's about what we give. We need our kids to understand the sacrifice for the kingdom. Why? Because people, there's bad news. People are going to hell. We're trying to be a part of something that saves people's lives, right? We need under, our kids need to understand why do we tithe? Why do we take the first of what God's blessed us with And why would we give that away? We need to understand it's because we're in covenant in this relationship with God and He's the Lord of our lives. And the Bible says that first tenth, it belongs to Him. So we pray and we bring that and God says He's going to bless us. We need them to understand that. Whenever my kids get money, I'm letting them know. You know what to do, right? You know the first tenth of that, right? Yes, Dad. You know, they're like, I want them to get it so that, you know, as they get older, they value the importance of of these, the instructions that come from these, the words of God in our life. And so we need to teach these things to our kids. Now, realizing that there's bad news, I want to just close our time together sharing a couple things. I recently heard about an atheist who said that if he believed in hell, which he didn't, but if he did believe that he and all of his friends would end up there if they didn't believe the gospel, He said, I would go and I would plead with all of my friends and family and others to to believe in Jesus because how would I ever want them to go to hell? Now, he didn't believe that, but he got why Christians do what they do, and he believed that we should, right? Because we wouldn't want any of our friends or family to end up in hell, would we? Would we want our friendly neighbors to end up in hell because they didn't know the truth or didn't hear it from us? Of course not. And this became crystal clear to me when uh, I was uh, a, when I became a new believer. Come on, in the fall of 1986. Okay, it was just a couple years ago uh, when that occurred, and I had an encounter with Jesus. And uh, then I was at this place, uh, school called Kalamazoo Valley Community College. It was alive and well back in the day. And I was uh, taking classes there, and I was in the lunch. I was eating lunch. I had the little cafeteria, uh, you know, a plate tray thing, and I brought it over, and I was by myself just enjoying whatever wonderful cafeteria food we had at the time. 
And I actually had a vision from God. Now, I didn't even know what a vision was. I'm talking, I am brand new Christian. I'm still cussing and smoking and kind of working out my new faith, being transformed from the inside out. I'm still wearing a mullet and all that, you know, and, uh, and liking it, by the way. Um, but I'm in this moment, and all of a sudden, I would have described to you that I had a daydream where I, I just completely checked out, and I had this vision, and uh, me and my best friend at that time, his name was uh, Wipeout. His real name was Russell, but he earned a nickname Wipeout because whenever we went places <laughs> and there was trouble, he just wiped him out. So I'd open up my mouth, I'd get somebody upset, and they'd you know, want to fight me, and I'm, <laughs> eh, Wipeout wiped him out. And uh, so that worked out well for me, except when he wasn't there. And they remembered. Um, but in this vision, I was standing, we were standing in a long line. I didn't know what this long line was because I was new to my faith. But I later learned in the Bible that it was the day where we were all going to stand before the Lord and be judged for our lives. And so uh, in this vision, I saw us waiting in line and I went up before the Lord. And when I stood in front of God, I heard these words, well done, uh, thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of my kingdom. I knew what that meant, and I read King James, so I heard it in King James, okay? And, uh, and, uh, and so it was as if I was hovering over the shoulder of God, looking down, and I saw my, my uh, best friend, uh, Wipeout, whose name was Russell, standing in front of God. And I heard the Lord say to him, Russell, I'm sorry, but your name is not found in the book of life. And I watched my best friend get condemned to hell for eternity. And in that moment, he looked up at me and said, Neil, I thought you were my best friend. You didn't tell me the most important thing I needed to know. And man, I kind of came out of that vision right there. And on the inside, I knew, man, I got to tell him. Problem was, I didn't know how to tell him. <laughs> and uh, I was working out things in my own life at that time, but I just knew that I needed to share with him the message that had changed my life. And so I got some coaching from people. John, I probably got some coaching from you back in the day, or, or, or Jeremy. And I remember practicing in front of the mirror. Uh, I got this thing, Soul Winning Made Easy, and it gave me four scriptures to read. And then, I, then I, I invited him to pizza, and I remember I was so nervous. And we met at the West Main Mall for those of you that would remember, and there was this place called the Fun Factory, and uh, there was this pizza joint attached to it, all you could eat pizza, man. I eat so much pizza because I was nervous about getting to sharing this message I've never shared with anybody. And I finally worked my way up to it, and I busted out of my little fearful world, and I shared these four scriptures that I had learned. And at the end of the story, uh, he said, man, Neil, I'm really glad that worked out for you, but it's not for me. And I was bummed. But what I knew was in the end, he'd never be able to say, you didn't tell me. But the story doesn't end there because about a month or so later, Wipeout, Russell calls me and he says, Neil, I've been thinking about what you said. What did I say? I said these powerful words to him. And these words, God used it and they resounded on the inside of him. And a month later, he calls me and says, I've been thinking about what you said. And he said, can I come to church? I think I want to give my life to Jesus. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> come to church. And then he was late, so I thought the devil took him out. I was praying. I didn't even know how to pray. Lord, help me. I don't know what happened. The devil got him, and then he showed up. <laughs> and uh, he gave his life to Christ that day, got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, of course, I was excited. He was coming to church regularly for a while, and then he ran into some troubles. I think there was a girl involved because relationships 
mess up. Biggest distraction of living for Jesus, unless you're married, work on it. Um, I called him to invite him to church because I hadn't seen him for a while. And his sister answered the phone. I said, hey, is Russell there? And she said to me, Neil, didn't you hear? And I said, hear what? She said, Russell died. He had actually taken his own life the night before because of the despair that he was in. And I went to his house. His Bible was open on his bed. So I'm not here to talk about the theology of all that. Uh, I just believe he genuinely gave his life to Christ and was deceived. Uh, But the point is, you know what I heard? What if I wouldn't have told him? I had to live the rest of my life. No, I didn't tell my friend the most important thing he needed to know. And that was a marker in my life. And I began to think, I got to tell my friends. I got to tell my family. And I went home and, and I should have been kicked out of the house because I didn't have a lot of wisdom in how I shared my faith. You know, I told my dad, oh, about everything you've done for the last 52 years of your life has been wrong. <laughs> And, uh, well, it worked. My family got saved. We all got water baptized together downtown. It was the Hilton or Sheraton back then uh, in the day. I mean, I was going to parties and having my Diet Cherry Coke and Marlboro Reds, man, telling my friends, I got a gift for you. And I'd bring them out. We'd sit in my truck and, and I'd just share them these four scriptures that I learned. And basically told him, hey, Jesus is at the door of your heart. Do you want to, you know, because I just told him, we all sinned and you're going to die and go to hell, but Jesus will give you eternal life. And man, I prayed with bunches of my friends, uh, some of them that are still in church today. Some of them thought I had taken too many drugs and went off the religious deep end. And then it just became something that was a part of my life. And look, here we are today, years later. And I want to just exhort you, these words, the most powerful words, they've transformed our lives. And it's bad news, and people need to know that there's bad news, but God so loved the world that there's good news that we don't have to experience the bad news. So let's let that gospel shine. This is why we started a new campus. This is why we have seats that are available for more people. This is why we wear red shirts and go downtown and sing when we don't usually worship in Bronson Park. This is why we would sacrifice our time to go to a grill site and hand out waters and burgers and hot dogs. This is why we should feel compelled to share what changed our life, these powerful words with people that are in our lives, regardless of whether we receive them. Isn't this true? It's so easy for us to get absorbed into our life, to participate in the church. And how many know you get around the church for years and you stop having friends that even know, don't know Jesus, right? But Jesus said, these words I'm giving you are powerful. <laughs> you got to tell somebody. Go out into your world and share these words with them. The words that transformed you, the love that came with them, is what's going to transform them. They've got to know. And for some people, you will be the only Jesus they will ever meet. For some people, you will be the only expression of Christ that they'll have. And while you're up in the world, 
tell your testimony. Share these words. And who cares if they reject it? Who cares? You're putting and placing on them these powerful words that have the power of God to bring salvation to all who would believe. Amen.